Welcome to the very first episode of The Jaded 1%. I'm Dave Hogue. I'm Joe Davis. And uh, we're going to spend this very first episode uh, letting you know what The Jaded 1% is, uh, giving you a snapshot into who uh, Dave and Joe are, and uh, hoping that uh, you will uh, join us on this journey. Want to kind of on the front end let you know how to reach out to us. Uh, if you uh, find this podcast worthwhile. So we are Jaded 1%, which is uh, the word jaded spelled out, the number one, and then percent spelled out. So jaded1percent.com or jaded1% at gmail.com if you would like to email us. And on the website, there's a place to uh, fill out information. If you're so inclined to do that, we'll let you uh, poke around there. Uh, it's still in its infancy. It's still pretty basic, but we're hoping to expand on that. And as people visit, we'll do more and more. Um, Should I correct you and add that the word the is in front of all that? Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, you should correct me on that. So it's the jaded 1% at gmail.com and the jaded 1%.com. So, yeah. You're welcome. Appreciate that. <laughs> so these people are going to be like going, where in the heck is this that he is talking about? So, all right. So Joe, this is uh, kind of your baby and something that it seems that God has laid on your heart. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit more about the jaded 1%? Yeah. So about uh, three and a half years ago when uh, my wife uh, said that she wanted out of our marriage, it was a a big turning point uh, point for me um in that I needed to work on my behavior and also needed to work on my relationship with God um so fast forward um to maybe um a year ago a little more maybe um I was wondering how is it that I how do I become a better follower of Christ you know the word Christ is in there well okay if I want to be a better Christ follower then I need to model my life after Jesus. And so I kind of just sought out a, a Bible study um, revolving around him. It's a, it was a 100-day Bible study about Jesus. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of how this kind of started. Um, my heart started to softening. Um, I started viewing the world in a different way, um, seeing things that I hadn't seen before. And uh, my opinions on a lot of issues just started changing over time. And then. Uh, Probably about the beginning of this year, um, there was a big shift, and the shift was that I felt a deep conviction that the things that I had once thought were true may not be true, and at the same time, um, how do I minister to those around me in my world? And my background is a military background. I have been in the, the Marines and the Army. Um, so with a total time of 13 years, all in the infantry, um, you know, I've got a lot of friends in law enforcement. And I realized as I was watching the news, as I was hearing people talk about uh, the race issues that were coming up, that I have a very jaded attitude towards the world. All of my training was geared towards combat. Um, my friends in law enforcement, you know, um, the conversations that we would have are all, were all geared about a certain way that we view the world, which is uniquely different from everybody else. But a question, and, and I'm guessing that view was not like rainbows, sunshine, and definitely not rainbows and unicorns. Okay, 
Um, it's uh, you suspect a lot of things out of people. You have a hard time trusting people. Um, you have a hard time hoping for things. You have a you look at the world and you don't see this guy wearing a pretty jacket. You wonder, I wonder how many drugs he's got under his coat, or oh, he looks foreign. I wonder if he's got ties to terrorist organizations. You know, you know everybody is is there's an agenda or they're suspect to whatever it may be. Well, here, I'll give you even something that's maybe a little benign to see how you would respond to it. So if I said Boy Scout leader, what do you think most cops think of when they hear Boy Scout leader? Nowadays or when I was in a kid? <laughs> uh, Boy Scout leader now, it's a negative connotation that, you know, he's a pedophile. Yeah. And I, and I caught myself automatically going to these places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't like it, you know, and it's, it's ingrained in me so much cause I've been doing this for so long that, uh, you can't just turn it off. So I guess it was about February and I approached you when I was feeling these convictions, like maybe there's something more that I need to be offering. Um, I don't know what it is. I feel a push and a pull that I need to make changes and I need to work on this attitude. Um, but I know that I can't do it alone. Um, and so that's when I, you know, reached out to you and invited you, uh, your answer, you know, caught me completely off guard (laughs) with an immediate interest (laughs) in this. But I think that that kind of, I think it really, it was indicative of how the Holy Spirit works going back to the Bible Mm -hmm. when God is just asking, um, Moses and Abraham and these, these other people, are you going to go, you know? Yeah, it's scary. There's unknowns, but Will you trust me? Um, and so, so when I asked and you said yes immediately, I was caught completely off guard, but I was also encouraged like, oh, yes, someone is agreeing with me that this is an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, they see things that I see that are not good. Some of them are. There's good personality traits that, you know, people in the military and law enforcement have, but there's a lot of negative connotations that come with it. A lot of baggage that we, you know, take on over time. And so that's what, you know, the jaded 1% is about how do we navigate a life in service, whether it be in military or police, and yet at the same time call ourselves Christ followers and have bad attitudes. Those two things don't live together very well. And I think that uh, a life of Christ can live cohesively and well with someone in a line of service. Um, and they have to. Mm-hmm. They just have to. Otherwise, uh, why do it? There, there's, there's a conviction that, that led you to that path to begin with. And if you know Jesus, then it's even more so the bigger conviction. So that question is, how does Jesus get lived out in those professions? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a tough question. Yes, and one that we are not going to try to answer tonight. <laughs> and uh, I don't think we're going to try to answer for anybody uh, I think this is definitely one of those things where uh, you'll share what your experiences have been, and I'll share what mine are, and hopefully we'll have some other people uh, join us uh, on the podcast, join us uh, through the, the website, join us uh, in whatever it is that we end up doing, and we can learn from each other and hear from each other. And um, So yeah, as you were talking, I had like a million different things running through my head, but um, I'll just kind of share myself instead of yeah. going completely down another 
uh, trail right now. So um, I've been in law enforcement for 15 and a half years, and mine started with, uh, so I'd been in, I'd been inside and I'd been part of our uh, training unit at our department. And in the summer of 2014, I went back out on patrol and I went back out on uh, midnight shift. And I immediately kind of started having this feeling of like, I like doing, I like being a police officer. I really do. And I still do. And I've, I've actually think I've gotten to a point where I'm embracing it more. And, um, my, my wife can tell, well, she, I'm starting to watch more cop shows on Netflix and TV again. And so she's <laughs> like, Oh, you're back at liking being a police officer again. You're watching police shows even at home. Uh, but that summer I started thinking, Oh, I, you know, I really want to be a teacher. I want to be an instructor. I don't want to be the cop out doing the job. Um, and kind of had this excuse of, well, I'm gifted towards teaching. So that's what I should be doing versus actually doing the job. And I guess I kind of put myself in this self-imposed funk of not trusting God that I was where he wanted me to be and started working really hard to put myself where I thought I should be. Uh, at the same time, I would say, and this is just for me personally, being 40 plus on midnight shift is not the same as being 20 or 30 something <laughs> on midnight shift. and. I don't know that I've really ever completely liked working overnight, but just found myself getting in this funk and uh, started applying for other jobs. And, you know, it seemed like the ones that I really wanted wouldn't materialize. Uh, I would get job offers and I would go interview and then I would get there and I'd be like, I don't want anything to do with this. And instead of kind of coming to this point of, oh, I'm where God wants me to be, I just got like in this deeper funk of why is God torturing me like this? Why is he keeping me where I'm not happy? Why is he making me do a job I don't love? And during the summer of, yeah, after the summer of 2015, I did about a year and a half on midnights. I got to go back inside and I got to do internal affairs, which... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that just opened my eyes to a whole bunch more stuff that I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be dealing with this. So um had to discipline people, including letting people go uh, over my two years inside. But one of the things that kind of happened was last summer, uh, my wife and I were out on the back porch just talking and kind of expressing to her how I really wanted to leave law enforcement. And she was, you know, flipping through social media on her phone. And that was the night that all the shootings in Dallas happened. And she goes, she looks at me and she was like, uh, if you want to go in tomorrow and resign, I'm fine. With that. <laughs> um, I didn't, but ultimately what it kind of, I guess boiled down to was, is I think too much of my identity was in my job and my career. Right. Which I think is a bad thing. And then two, um, I just wasn't trusting God that I was where he wanted me to be and really made my own sort of misery. And he has just continued to show me that law enforcement and being a Christian do go together, that I'm where he wants me to be. And, um, you know, I, I had a very similar kind of 
experience um, in the fall of, I think it was fall of 2016, with the election and just being very confused about who to support and why are we supporting them. And so I had a prayer of just, God, show me what I have wrong that I think I have right. And in that, I just feel like there's been a whole world kind of opened up to me that's really challenged my beliefs. And a big, a big one of those for me has been race uh, in terms of, you know, black and white um, and law enforcement and in this country. And, um, but that affects you personally because of your son. Yeah. It affects me personally because of my son. And I think that was a catalyst for me to, to look closer at it. Um, but again, you have kind of your, your view, your worldview, how things are supposed to go. And then you do a job like this, whether it be military or police, where reality sets in reality sets in. But even some of the things you like, your belief system gets reaffirmed on some level, Mm -hmm. but you realize that the lens that you're looking through is only going to give you the results that you're expecting. Right. Versus kind of saying, having done this job for 15 years, I'm actually now dealing with um, second and third generation. uh, And it's so funny because I don't know what term to use here. Uh, you know, second or third generation dirtbag, second and offender, <laughs> criminals, offender. Because even in that, it, it's so I label these people dirtbags. But if I was the son or the grandson in this family, why do I think I would be any different than what they are when that's what they were brought up in? And so just little things like that that have kind of challenged me and in, in how I view the world and this idea of trying to see people the way Jesus would see them versus... So when I approached you in February, what was uh, enticing about my question? Inviting you into something like this? Um, that is a good question that I might have to think about here. Probably the biggest, the, the, the quick response was coming across somebody else that was experiencing the same things that I was in terms of having my worldview, my how I thought of things challenged and thought of. And so, yeah, I I think that was the, oh gosh, there's somebody else that, you know, is, is experiencing that. So that would probably be the biggest thing for me. And, you know, over the last, so I guess mine's been about a three, three and a half year journey too, of just coming across other people that are having how they view the world, particularly in the context of military or police challenged. And then kind of almost feeling like you're the only person experiencing that, which makes it very difficult to speak up or to share what you're feeling. Because if you're in one of these professions, you know what it's, it's kind of even funny. Like I'm laughing to even think about the quote unquote peer pressure or whatever. There are certain topics that just aren't discussed. There are certain topics that just aren't discussed and you can very quickly find yourself just being ridiculed. You'll be ostracized to some extent. Yeah. They'll think you're crazy. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, the last year um, I was in the service talking to a, a buddy of mine. You know, we were talking about two, uh, two other buddies of ours and talking about you know, politics and who they would vote for. And traditionally, you know, military, police, you know, are very conservative. And they, but these two guys were pretty liberal. 
And at the time, you know, you talk about it. You don't talk about it really, really loud because you don't want to offend them. But at the same time, you're like, what is going on? What is wrong with you that you would vote so liberally? Mm-hmm. And now as I look back on that, I'm thinking, my thought is, that's, I feel like that's one of those topics that you just don't talk about. Because we're all the same here. Our politics are all the same. And so if, if you're different from that, you're the outcast. Mm-hmm. I think that's, what, I think that's the, the cloud that hangs over you on some of these topics that we feel this great conviction, but because it's so non-traditional in these fields, we feel like we can't you know, voice this, even if it is greatly affecting us. Yes. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start with just verse 1. It says, So if there is any encouragement of Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or, or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So that's kind of the big thing there. It's just this idea of um, looking at others better than ourselves and then if you go and take a look at Jesus in Philippians 2, 6, 2, 6, it says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So I read that, and I'm just like, oh boy, God, <laughs> I'm so far off on that. And I think about, you know, the creator of the universe coming into this world, being obedient, being a servant, uh, even to the point of death and death on a cross. And that is really what he's calling us to do and to be and um, seems unattainable in so many ways to me, but uh, that's me putting God in a box. So, mm-hmm. But that was just a verse that I had... Um, come across. I don't know. Did you pull one up there? That uh, kind of from our, uh, you know, the purpose of a the jaded one percent is something I wrote, some you know, some time ago for for this ministry. Um, you know, just the verses that we chose as our guiding verses for this ministry. You know, Philippians two, three through eight, and then seventeen, thirteen through seventeen, but also Colossians three eight through seventeen. And th- these are the ones I think that um, affect us especially. It says, but. Now you must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self with it being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave-free, but Christ all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, this is where I think it especially speaks to us, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so that you also must forgive. I think that, you know, military and police are cut from the same cloth. And when you attack one of us, you attack all of us. And we take it very personally. And we become very angry at the attacker, whether that's overseas in the combat zone or um, you know, as you say, a dirtbag on the street shooting at, you know, one of your brothers in blue or a fight or whatever it is. It's very, I see, it's very easy to take on those things of being angry. 
and being harsh and, you know, being very callous to all these things. But that is not the life that Jesus has called us to. And I think that's part of the, the that I wrestled with is that, and that, those things greatly affected my marriage and, and being a father. There's not a whole lot of room in those, in that life with those things. There's no, there's not a whole lot of room for, with those things in, in the life of Christ. You know, that's why he's telling us to put those things away. But yet those things are so easily attained in these professions. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's a daily battle. You know, as, as I've been going through this, you know, I feel this conviction and this pull in my head and my heart, but I realize that I still have these habits, that I still look at people a certain way, even though in my head and my heart I feel something completely different. But I'm on autopilot, you know, with these, these old ways. And I know it's so easy to slip back into it. It's so easy to, to, to put up the wall and be guarded. So that you, you know, we call it, you know, quote unquote, protecting ourselves when in reality it's another form of um, aggressiveness. And, you know, I think Jesus has called us to something more than just, you know, the, the hourly appearance of military and police and what we represent. There's a deeper meaning to it. So, you know, kind of just a thought that I've had as, as we've been sitting here and, you know, I, I'm hoping that. People who have found us uh, are here because they're they're like minded. They're looking for this, and they're wanting to be challenged. They're wanting to be a part of a community. Uh, but the other thing I just want to have a, as a caveat here is, um, I mean, I am very proud to be a police officer. I'm proud of our military. We serve a purpose, and there is a need for these professions. Definitely, and sometimes that means. Uh, violence. Uh, sometimes sure. that means that, you know, there is evil in this world. There are bad people. There are people that need to be arrested. There are people that need to be put in uh, jail, prison, um, that need to have consequences for their action. And so in all of this, I don't want anybody to get the idea that we are saying law enforcement and the military should suddenly become, you know, the kinder, gentler, to the point where we roll over and die. No, no, there is a need to protect and to serve and defend. And you know. it's, I think it models a little bit of David's okay. life that, that you know David was called a man after God's own heart. Yet he was a warrior, yep. a warrior king. Yeah, and um, you know I believe that God has called us into our own little kingdoms. You know John Elders talks a lot about that. You know we have our own little kingdoms that we have, but kings um, know how to fight. Mm-hmm. And and never once does Jesus tell us not to fight. He tells us to turn the other cheek, but that doesn't mean that we stop doing the things that we know to be true and right. Absolutely. You know, um, and I don't know that I'm going to be able to find this really quickly or not, but I was um, reading in the book of Luke uh, today, and... I came across something that I had never really ever paid attention to, and it completely stood out to me, but not to the point that I could quickly find it and tell you <laughs> where it is. Um, okay, so I was in Luke, and I don't know if it was 22 or uh, 23, but he's kind of giving him 
um, this talking about, you know, I initially had sent you out telling you not to take a tunic, um, you know, not to take all this stuff with you. Oh, this is when he tells him to go get a sword. Yeah, and so then he tells him to go get a sword. Right. And I was like, Wait, uh, wait what? Don't ever remember him telling them to do that before. So, I, yeah, I totally had this moment of like, oh my gosh. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in Luke 23, maybe even 24. So I'm not going to try to find it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, now that I've rambled on long enough. So, all right. Any last thoughts? Anything that you want to hit on before we're done here tonight? You know, some of the topics we're going to discuss are going to hit um, close to home. Some of them may, I think, hit a, uh, may get a reactionary response um, because this isn't, this isn't talked about a lot. This isn't really, you know, hasn't, has not been open for discussion and we are now opening this can of worms. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so the challenge is um, stick with us in this fight. You know, everybody's on a different path. You've got a, you've had different life experiences and um, that have led you to where you are. But um, it, stay engaged. You know, I think that if you're here, um, at least my hope is that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Um, so stay with it. You know, I think that the Holy Spirit's always talking to us, but we're just not listening. And, and so I encourage you to listen and stay with us and engage in this. And quite frankly, just rabbit hole with us. See where this takes us. You know, my hope is that we can we can all draw closer to God in this and, and develop our relationships and um, create a safe place for conversations that we can't normally have um, elsewhere. So, yeah, be strong, be brave, stay with us and see what see what happens. Yeah. And we're going to disagree. And that's all right. It's, we're gonna it's okay. Hammer out where we're at, and we all even might arrive at a different place. But uh, we're hoping that we don't stay the same. Definitely. Uh, as long as we draw closer closer to God, that's you know that's my primary focus. Let's let's draw closer to God. He has different purposes for all of us, but building that relationship with Him is is primary. Is primary. All right. Well, we appreciate you uh, tuning in and listening to the very first episode of the Jaded One Percent. We have a whole lot more to come. And uh, we're excited for uh, just future conversations and unpacking what it means to be a Christian in law enforcement, what it means to be a Christian in the military, what it means to be just a Christian man. um, Or woman. Or woman. Yeah, a a Christian person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're not discriminatory here. No. And just, yeah, embracing that. So. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. See you guys. Bye.